Welcome to Get After It PDX, a down-to-earth podcast featuring honest conversations with inspiring people in the creative hotbed of Portland, Oregon. Recorded live and on location in Portland, let's welcome the co-founder of Y-East Wolfpack and the host of Get After It PDX, Willie McBride. Hey folks, a quick note before we get started. The Get After It PDX podcast is brought to you by the support of our friends at the Aimsure Distilling Company, a new distillery focused on bringing people together through great flavors and a warm environment. They love the way spirits taste, but more importantly, they love what they do. Spirits bring people together to make memories, build bridges, and crystallize the moment opening up in early 2020 in Northeast Portland. Welcome back, folks. We are here at the Hoxton for another episode of the Get After It PDX podcast. Excited, as always, to have another great guest, this time Jeremy Long, the founder of Daybreak Racing here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thanks, Willie. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Nice, uh, slightly gray Portland day. Yeah, very Portland, very November, for sure. Uh, yeah, how's it going? Things are good? Oh, good. I've, uh, as we chatted earlier, I've, I've uh, been dealing with a little kind of low-grade man cold all week, so uh, <laughs> you'll get the low-velvety tones for we, our podcast today. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not happy that you're a little bit sick, but I am happy that we got the velvety tones. <laughs> so. so, like we always do, we want to see the progression in your life of what led to one thing led to another to get you where you are now and doing some pretty cool stuff um recently you went full-time into your race directing yeah. job with daybreak yeah so that's pretty exciting i would imagine it's it's been humbling and exciting and just a, a total um kind of new recipe for how i'm living my day-to-day life with you know, being able to drop off and pick up my kids from school now and all that kind of thing where, yes. you know, the, the the day job prior was a lot more structured and, you know, you, you know, I'm just enjoying it so much more now. It's great. A lot of flexibility. Hell yeah. Yeah. Being your own boss feels Free pretty home. good. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to talk all about that for sure. Yeah. Hear about that transition and because obviously a lot, of, a lot of the people we have on here you know, the theme is like people who are often starting their own things or taking that leap onto something that they're super passionate about. So yeah. you are a great example of that. But let's start back in the day. So you actually are one of the few <clears throat> few people around here who are <laughs> who's an OG yeah. local, right? Right. Well, not Portland local, but I've I was I've was born in Oregon and I've lived in Oregon my whole life. So the, those kind Just of folks are few there. and far between anymore. Yeah, we. We, whenever I find a native Oregonian, we definitely always have something in common to chit-chat about. But Yeah, I, I was born and raised in Florence, Oregon, um, about an hour west of Eugene. Okay. Um, it's a much different town now than it was then, as is you know much of the world, but um, pre-internet, pre-cable TV, <laughs> You're dating living <laughs> literally on the edge of, of North America, you know, in, in a little coastal town that had... Back then, I think it was a couple thousand people in it, and you were either the kid of a logger or a kid of a public service worker or yeah. somebody who worked in, you know, the grocery store or something. But um, um, very small town, and you know, we had three radio stations <laughs> that <laughs> I recall. How big was the town, like numbers wise? Yeah, like a couple thousand people, yeah. I think. But and you know, half of that is in the city, and the, the other half are you know people that you know, live out of town, and yeah. commute in and whatnot, but it was a small town, and um, um, it was, but it, looking back, it was an, inc- an incredible place to grow up, just, it really instilled, uh, you know, an immediate um, appreciation for the outdoors and being outside. I, I really don't remember playing much inside, even though I probably did, because it rains there, you know, most of the year, it feels like. But um, lakes and beaches and the coast range is right up 
uh, butts up to town and um, and of course the sand dunes are right there on the south end of town which you know I have a, a strong connection to um, especially growing up and discovering that I had kind of a natural um, running ability um, so I I started running in in middle school actually with with uh, with just doing track um, running sprints and middle distances initially um, and as I got older I uh, jumped away from playing sports like football and wrestling and stuff and was just tired of always being sick or injured or something and well you moved away from those sports yeah I, I kind of I enjoyed playing those team sports initially and then as I got older I um, just appreciated the aspect of more of a not a loose-knit team but um, uh, being in the outdoors and um, being out on the trails and things that, that uh, running cross-country really provided um, and it was just a, a really uh, liberating and kind of self-discovering kind of uh, experience for me, just being on the coast and um, not really knowing anything different, really, because I was born and raised there and, you know, we didn't have a ton of family, you know, in other parts of the country. So um, it was my universe for sure and definitely made the most of it, I feel like. And my brother and I, who is a year and a half younger than I, we we uh, we definitely had our share of adventures growing up. So super fun, super fun place to grow up for sure. This may sound like a limiting question, but would you generally say you feel more connected to the land or the sea? <laughs> Ooh, um, <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, now? like it's actually really like have that ocean connection. And yeah. That. Oh, yeah. For, it, it, when I moved away after I graduated high school, um, it, it took me about a year uh, once I was in college living in inland. Um, I went to Western Oregon University for my freshman year of college and it took me about a year to get used to not being lulled to sleep by the roar of the ocean. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Like, silence at night was, um, you know, how people kind of sometimes need like white noise in order to lull themselves that was definitely true for me and I mean I think I lived with a fan you know for having that background noise like the entire year being in the dorm because I just couldn't get used to like the dead silence of of an inland night I guess (laughs) wow that's pretty fascinating but yeah um, going back to my time in Florence and how I identify there I I'm I'm definitely a land lover I guess Mm -hmm. um my grandmother took us out um, salmon fishing a lot um, out in the ocean, and I, I always got just incredibly seasick. <laughs> Most of my memories of being out on the ocean are of, you know, feeding the fish over the side. <laughs> my brother and I have a good story about that, but um, I won't. I won't bring up the the nasty details uh, here but uh yeah i'm definitely more of a of a land person i, I i'm not a huge seafood eater um yeah. yeah i mean i've i've definitely spent plenty of time exploring the 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 river harbor and playing out on the docks a lot and you know meeting you know charter fishermen and and whatnot back in the day and it's definitely a different industry even from what it is now versus what it was then but um I remember enjoying all of the sensations of, you know, the sounds of that, of that, you know, maritime um, environment and, and the sound of cars as they drove over the drawbridge, over the, over the bridge, over across the Sayuslaw River. Mm-hmm. It's just like this iconic thing for me, which, um, which, um, yeah, times, times have changed even since then, but. Um, I, I really enjoy that maritime environment, but with my feet on the on the land for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I see that. Yeah, it feels great to run out in, in those coastal spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can you can get a lot of the ocean effect just seeing it. You know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we definitely jumped in a lot, but yeah, as far as you know, really uh, immersing myself in being out on the ocean that that's definitely an would be an acquired thing that I never yeah. quite quite got got a hold of. 
So you had some siblings? Yeah, I have three younger brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. My closest brother, Aaron, um, he actually lives over on the on the East Coast now, but um, we grew up, you know, as, as close brothers do, always fighting and <laughs> pushing each other and challenging each other and 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 uh, all the traditional brotherly love type of stuff for sure and um, we kind of look up to each other for sure we're, we're so close that it, we kind of feel not quite like twins because we did have a different experience growing up yeah. him being a year younger but um, um, the the kinship is is uh, it's definitely there and um, when when uh, he was a senior after I graduated from high school, um, it was it was I remember it being a really cool experience witnessing him kind of surpass um, all of the stuff that I had kind of um, accomplished in in high school. So that was that that was always a super cool thing to to look back and reflect on and be proud of for sure. Yes. And that we both still are active runners is just kind of makes it even more of a I guess you know legacy kind of relationship yeah. between the two of us nice. and I have two younger brothers that are um, 10 and 12 years younger than me half brothers oh, okay. so um, now that they're adults you know we've definitely got a lot more in common than we did <laughs> when we were growing yeah. up for sure but cool. um, yeah it's been it's fun being the oldest of, of four yeah, boys for sure yeah so running was a, a thing was that obviously you said you had, were doing cross country and yeah after I'd kind of not shied away from, but just kind of, um, I'd just grown closer to running. Um, it was just something that I was just naturally good at, and my brother the same way. Um, I feel like I kind of more pressured him into joining the team than, than, uh, than I guess coming directly from his own initiative. But you know, once he discovered you know the that connection with being outside, especially and you know, learning to run on trails because back in the mid early 90s there wasn't really a trail running sport that we knew of anyways you know growing up on the edge of the earth but we, we called it uh let's go to practice run out on those trails <laughs> practice run. you know let's go run on those trails you know it wasn't like <laughs> let's go trail let's, let's go trail running you know or or That's yeah it was funny. it was i mean there was there was no internet yeah you know and there were I had no idea what ultra running was or yeah. the, basically any kind of running beyond, you know, the traditional kind of Olympic distances, 5K, 10K, marathon, you yeah. know, but even marathon was kind of, seemed absurdly far, you know, <laughs> something that um, either professionals or um, old people did in their midlife crises <laughs> kind of thing, you know. <laughs> but uh, lo and behold, here we are. So what? So you moved inland for that first year of college. Did you stay there at Western Oregon? I I I went there f my freshman year, kind of basically because I did I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, and I was always you know got good grades and studied and book smart, you know, and I I went there. I didn't have a major. Um, I just kind of took as many different classes as possible. Um, was involved with you know some random clubs and I kind of waded into the athletic training waters um, which I discovered almost immediately that I didn't like be taking care of athletes because I identified more directly as an athlete um, but uh, and I and I wasn't running much that that freshman year which was a huge a huge change for me because I had always growing up especially through high school been involved with a team or you know I was captain of the track team in high school uh, my senior year and and going from you know that tight-knit tiny town to even like a small college and then not being involved in that was a huge change and I felt like there was definitely something missing in my life um, so after my freshman year of, of college, I, um, I changed schools and I, I moved down to Southern Oregon I, and, I, and I enrolled at Oregon Institute of Technology, mm. um, thinking that you know, maybe a 
technical job would you know be more like realistic you know in terms of like being a reliable career path or whatever but they also had um, a fun um, NAIA level uh, athletic uh, program and I started I jumped on the cross-country and the track team and um, almost immediately met some of the best friends I've ever had um, even to this day so my best friend um, from college uh, lives down in Carson City, Tahoe area, and see each other every, you know, like a couple times a year, but whenever we get together, um, it's it's just like my brother and I, like, we, we it could be a year, and we'll just pick up right where we left off. Oh, yeah. It's just like those immediate, um, just uh, sibling bonds that, you know, you just, you just know the person, or you kind of know what each other are thinking without even talking kind of a relationship, but... Um, nice. I'm super thankful for that, um, that uh, for that change. Even though my time in college there didn't really last more than a couple of years, being on the athletic teams and and uh, experiencing young adulthood with on those teams was super transformative and, and helped me grow a lot and gain a lot of lifelong friendships for sure. So you sort of like in high school had that running community. And then that first year, you you felt life without it, and then you yeah. luckily went back and got immersed in another athletic community. Yeah, and I feel like I, I guess I probably would have done fine, you know, but just been on such a different trajectory, and um, I I really appreciated being physically active, and I knew that I wanted that to be a part of my career, and mostly for myself, you know being physically active and all of the positive effects that that has on your body and your mind. Um, I, I, uh, it's something that I can't live without and would definitely not want to. Mm -hmm. So I, I, yeah, trying to identify or, you know, find that sense of belonging, but then also, uh, being on a team to help, you know, discipline myself because I'm, I'm definitely a, like a coachable person, mm-hmm. but on my own, I'm. I have a tendency to kind of wing it and flounder. <laughs> In terms the of old wing and flounder. Yeah. So, um, but uh, we'll I, I'm an explorer for sure. But yeah, in terms of staying accountable, being a part of a team, or and having a coach has definitely been something that has been that I've had a lot of of, of success and, and reward from. So what uh, what happened after college? So I went back to actually, so with college I I went back to Western graduated from there um, in with a degree in health promotion health education um, and then I went uh, and worked for a year actually at the university as the health education coordinator um, wow. at Western Oregon. at Western working out of the student health office basically so doing a lot of like individual health education help um, um, like kind of campus level classes and events and mm-hmm. hosting you know like campus 5k you know fun runs mm-hmm. and you know mostly so that we could give away a ton of cool stuff for people to to win mm-hmm. um, and yeah so I did that for a year I decided I you know didn't want to um, make a career out of a making $20,000 a year <laughs> and then I went to grad school at Oregon State and was there for a couple of years studying public health okay. and then um, my last term of grad school was basically an internship with the county health department that I started working with here in the Portland metro area and I had been there for about 15 years ever since so. mainly doing a lot of public health um, inspection work of uh, restaurants and drinking water systems and and that kind of public health work yeah and running on the side (laughs) (laughs) yeah so how man lots to talk about how did your running develop over that time like um because like what when like after college yeah what sort of I know now you know there's a more of a distance focus like you do long distance type stuff but yeah where you I would assume right out of college you weren't doing ultras so how did that how did that trajectory go so when I kind of started my career, I was already in my mid-20s, and 
mostly just kind of running for fun and, and socializing. Um, but it was, I was not doing hardly any races, maybe, you know, occasional 10 Ks here in Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of hiking and, you know, exploring the gorge and, um, going for all day hikes and, um, going around Mount St. Helens and, you know, just these kind of personal things that just seemed not quite like absurdly long, but things that I knew nobody else was even kind of, or that I knew was considering. And it just, I felt like the endurance aspect was, was pretty cool. And, um, it never really occurred to me though, to be able to run those kinds of things. It was, I was still very much, um, Anything longer than five or six miles was was a hike, not <laughs> not anything I would ever yeah. delve into running with. But yeah, so I've lived in Oregon my whole life. I've kind of explored most corners of the state. Um, I have been to the Steens Mountains a few times and explored there through high school running camps and and other you know adventures and. The Wallawas, which are in northeastern Oregon, you know, um, growing up, obviously I've been all over the coast and throughout the Cascades and whatnot, so my understanding and familiarity with Oregon um, has been fairly extensive, so. Did you attend those camps as a... As a, as a runner, yeah. Really? As a, yeah, as a um, high school kid. Um, it's my famous camp, long running, right? Yeah, it, it was like the summer of... 1993 and 1994, I want to say. Summer before my junior and senior year. And what's funny is, um, years later, the college friends I was referring to that I ran with, um, you know, we'd be thumbing through those group photos at Steen's and we'd see each other. There's one of my best friends um, that even helps me now at, at a lot of my races um, that we ran together with when I was at OIT. We were standing right next to each other in no in one of the Steen's shots, and we had no idea who each other were. No way. Yes, yeah, just wow. a small world. But he grew up here in Portland, and you know, I was I was on the coast, and you know, obviously, no, there was never going to be a connection with a kid running on a, you know, from a huge high school versus me in a mm -hmm. in a tiny little coastal school. We would never compete, you know, at the same level. Yeah. Um, just because we were at you know different you know classifications, but yeah, just to be able to kind of um, look back and say, "Whoa, this is this is insane," and yeah. it's cool how running brings people together even before they even realize it. <laughs> so, so when so you're working this job with the health department for many yeah. years, yeah, and so did you start racing more on the side? Like, when did you actually yourself start doing these like trail races per se? Um, I, so I've been married and we had, my daughter was born in 2006. So I was like 29 at the time. Um, I'd been kind of running off and on just totally casually with no, no amount of seriousness at all. Mm -hmm. I'd kind of referred to myself almost as like an old man in terms of, um, you know, my running ability at the time, just cause I had always, uh, you know, you measure yourself based on you know where you were at your peak physically you know when I was 21 or whatever and you know and you, you feel like anything I do after that is just going to be kind of recre purely recreational for fun type of thing um, but then my daughter was born I, I really didn't run much at, at all for about two years the first two years that she was after she was born and I basically was physically kind of let go you know you, you know you, you let see all these go. yeah like physically I, I mean I dad bod like, style like pure dad bod like like the you know the sheriff from stranger things kind of dad bod you know like you've got the the barrel chest and I you know no butt you know just everything's kind of uh grown in all the wrong places um and I I I'm sure I you was about, feeling, feeling I was about 25 pounds heavier than I'd ever been. Okay. And I definitely started asking some deep questions as I was approaching 30, you know, and uh, which seems silly now to think, you know, you look at 30 and you're like, oh my God, this, I'm entering middle age or something. <laughs> and, 
but I definitely remember feeling that for sure and and um, needing to reconnect with running mm-hmm. um, and it took me about a year of of um, just probably some of the strongest like self-discipline that I've ever put on myself just running the consistency was obviously the the biggest challenge just making sure that I'm getting out there a set number of days and doing it for at least 30 minutes a day because that's what coach always said you know? <laughs> that's um, good, yeah. and and really kind of becoming a runner again and and discovering as my body aged and my own interests changed as I got older um just enjoying it again and seeing it through a different lens of yeah I'm never going to be able to run a two minute 800 meters ever again (laughs) but why would I want to when I can you know I can go 20 miles into the gorge into the Columbia River Gorge one of like the most amazing places on earth you know um and enjoy like every mile and in just these spectacular places and and as a running as just my interest changed I just going longer just felt more interesting and more and just a more fulfilling challenge for sure of course balancing it all with being um, having a family um, was was immediately the you know the, the, the primary challenge of balancing all of that stuff because yeah. you know you can get carried away one way or the other I feel like um, because you got to take care of yourself, and that's something that we've definitely um, tried to um, have our kids recognize. Is you know, dad's going for a run, and you know, I'll be back in a couple hours. And rather than having them moan that I'm going to be gone, having them understand that um, taking care of yourself physically is is a normal, is a, you know, a normal expectation and a healthy thing for uh, people of any age, obviously, to 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 participate in, but you know as as adults too not just not just as kids and and young people so when did you start having an interest in organizing your own races um honestly i had a lot of as i started to run longer distances um i had uh, a friend who i worked with who started putting on his own races and i and he and I would run together a lot and we kind of built up this kind of small little crew of of running friends and we would go out and run long distances from like four in the morning until you know it was time to go to work and we um you know chit-chatted about you know cool trail routes that would make fun races and when he started hosting his own, you know, I'd help him out, you know, here and there and um, just kind of saw how it, how it worked. And I was like, this is pretty fun. I'd like to try running one. And ran my first 50K and, and then that led into the next 50K. And, <laughs> and then I'd run trail half marathons and things here and there. And, um, and that just kind of uh, doing that for, a f- you know, a few years just kind of set the stage for um, this is something that I feel like the tools that I developed in college through health promotion and and, in public health work um, doing a lot of community organizing type of work and um, creating health promotion programs and um, all of of that kind of work translated really quite kind of nicely into doing race directing stuff just having that kind of foundation of you know how to promote something from like a grassroots level um, was something that I I already knew how to do, and just um, I kind of got the bug, and I've known trails around, especially Oregon, but Pacific Northwest for a long time, and mm-hmm. um, it was fun to just kind of sketch out you know a lot of the ideas that I had, and um, and the first one that I started doing was. Um, just taking friends out into the Tillamook Forest because I live in Hillsborough, so which is on the far west end of the Portland metro area. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anybody who lives in Portland, if, whenever you go to Hillsborough, they say that they're 
they feel like they're at the beach. <laughs> so it's always been sort of a no man's land for, for runners per se, but um, what it offered me was uh, the coast range was like right at my doorstep. It was closer, it's closer for me to drive into the coast range than it is for me to get to Forest Park huh. with no traffic or, you know, because there's you know traffic coming anywhere into town. So discovering all of the trails that existed out in the Tillamook Forest that literally no one was on from a running standpoint. I, I could run all day, every day, and n- never see anyone running. You'll see occasional hikers, um, and mountain biking was, was kind of a thing out there, but it was still um, super low traffic. Yeah. Um, and it just became kind of my place. And not that I had any ownership of it at all, but I, you know, I knew every curve and nook and cranny in, in a lot of those trails for quite a while and um, decided it was time to kind of start sharing it with people because the only places I everybody was always talking about was you know you're the next place to go in the gorge or occasionally heading out to the coast or and then obviously during the summertime Mount Hood yeah. um, and I had this gigantic forest all to myself <laughs> which um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just more of a camaraderie sharing kind of person. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to um, share it with people. And so basically, that turned into what's called a a fat ass, which <laughs> is kind of a um, basically just a, a giant group run um, that usually takes place sometime around New Year's or after the holidays, where you quote get off your fat ass you know, from all the food that you ate over the holidays and come out and run. Mm-hmm. So um, we hosted a fat ass out at, um, in the Tillamook Forest on the Gales Creek Trail Network. And we had this crazy response. There were like 60 people or something that showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a potluck and a huge bonfire and a couple of buddies played of fiddles. Yeah, I think you were there. Yeah, yeah. I know you've seen was one there. One of those years. Yeah. And it just got a super cool response, and I, I really felt like it was a natural kind of role for me. It was easy and fun and um, uh, fulfilling. I, I really enjoyed sharing it with people. And within a, within a year, I had talked to the forest about hosting a race, and um, they were, I, you can't really say overjoyed for a, you know, for from a government standpoint, but they were very welcoming um, of, of hosting an event out there. Mm-hmm. And um, that became the Tillamook Burn in 2016. Uh, so April of 2016 was the first event, and it sold out its first year with a 50-miler and a 50K. Nice. Um, granted, it was you know a smaller event then than it is now, but the success was so much faster than I expected um, that it's just been able it's made me um, it's given me the opportunity to um, grow uh, into more races and um, and just and offer more cool adventures and opportunities for people so do you think part of your passion towards this was that you were essentially trying to recreate some of that community feel you had you know in high, running in high school and running yeah. in college yeah I, I mean I th- running can be a solitary thing for a lot of people but it's not for me um, I, I mean I'm totally fine at, you know doing long runs and I think it's healthy to experience a lot of solo time or not a lot but you know have some so- solo time out in the forest it's I mean there's definitely a, a strong connection that most people have um, being out in the mountains and the forest and just the outdoors um, almost like a meditative healing spiritual experience mm-hmm. um, and that's certainly true for me but the bulk of my time running I enjoy doing with people um, not necessarily gigantic groups per se but um, you know having being with small groups um, of reasonably similar abilities is it's that's that's my happy place for sure <laughs> yeah, nice. so how was your uh 
you know, I've been to and support a lot of your races. Um, yeah. And it's cool, of course, you see see your family out there and your wife and your kids running around and yeah. being a part of the, the action. Yeah. So, obviously, for your kids, they've sort of grown up now with <laughs> seeing this evolve. Oh, and, yeah. And living this, this race life. So, what sort of effects have you seen it have on them? It, it was... It was interesting at first because, especially when it was, you know, if you're in the coast range in the middle of the spring, you never know what kind of weather you're going to get. And that first year, my kids were uh, eight and three. So it was kind of a challenge, you know. (laughs) So I think they stayed home. You know, they came out for part of the day, one of the days. And as they've gotten older, you know, they've, they've, we've kind of integrated them more into, you know, obviously it's our normal now, which I want it to be, you know, I want them to kind of be a part of the events and, you know, who knows, you know, work for the races or take them over someday when, when I'm done with it. But um, now with them being 13 and 8, they just have a ball. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's, it's an absolute blast, you know, being at the finish line and then watching the kids just you know play and tag with other kids that they've met from you know participants kids and other friends who help out with the races um just i mean every venue is a is just a gigantic hide and seek fort building (laughs) you know bonfire stick burning you know extravaganza so they've yeah pretty fun for a kid for sure yeah and it it's kind of gotten to the point where we need to kind of reel it back in a little bit. Um, but <laughs> during the races that t- that coincide during the school year, because the kids they're having so much fun, they basically have a dead battery by Monday morning. Oh, and getting them to school the next day has been one of the biggest challenges. <laughs> Interesting, so, Un- unexpected challenges of race directors. Yeah, right. Parents. Yeah, just again coming back to you know balancing and and uh, making sure that we're not going overboard or or anything like that so yeah it's been a good experience for sure and i would imagine it's pretty helpful (laughs) to say the least important to have a supportive partner who's who's down with your vision yeah you following your passions i mean there was definitely some some mixed feelings and you know serious caution you know in terms of with the first one especially of you know making sure that uh you're being that i'm being wise with the time that i'm spending on it and you know making sure that the budget makes sense and it's um penciling out and i'm not losing our own personal money you know putting the thing on (laughs) which you know of course didn't happen like i said it you know that first race sold out and and it did just fine and i've been able to to use that as as like a trampoline basically to um, make that race better every year and to add additional races and and make them all their own their own thing with their own personality and and whatnot but um, yeah it's uh, demonstrating that you know we're we're doing it and it's not I mean nothing's risk-free but doing it and it makes financial sense, and then especially over the last two years, um, where it's where the races have become really their their own thing, their own momentum, and it being a part of our family income. You know, it's that it's that's our lifestyle, and we've enjoyed doing it and um, making the transition from my my day job in public health to race directing was almost. Um, not easy, but it was. It made sense, and, and it, not a not a no brainer either. But um, it it was it was really exciting to make that transition and um, and have full, you know unquestioned support from from my wife was definitely definitely a confidence booster for sure. Nice. Yeah. So you have a new race coming up next March. Yeah. 
Tell us about this. Yeah. It's significant because <laughs> it is back in your home area, yeah, back so on the coast. Kind of full circle, full circle for me. So yeah. tell us about that. So yeah, so so 2019, I've I had I've had three races the last two years. Um, 2020, um, I've been working for quite a while on um, creating or just bringing s- some of the the ideas on the notepad and in my brain. Um, um, into uh, actual events and just making this full-time thing of you know just seriously full-time um and one of the places i definitely wanted to go back to was where i grew up um outside of florence uh we'll be hosting the sayusla dunes um trail run on march 7th 2020 and staging it at one of the places where i i literally learned to swim at (laughs) at Cleox Lake in Honeyman State Park. Uh-huh. And that's where we're going to stage the race from is there's a it, it's called the the old CCC bathhouse, but it's basically just this big stone lodge with a, a big courtyard patio and with steps right down in onto the beach and to Cleox Lake. So to be able to tie like that. some of my earliest memories um to an event where I can um bring people together and and I not necessarily reminisce but bring this running experience um completely full circle for me is it's going to be a super cool experience for sure um my brother my my brother Aaron that that grew up you know we grew up close together he's actually going to fly out because he doesn't want to miss it (laughs) yeah because it's you know it's yeah it's definitely something where super excited about um you know he'll help me you know mark the course and and uh for for him especially but for me the last couple of years going and running in a lot of these places out on out on the sand dunes and a lot of these um coastal trails that you know hit some beach sections and stuff were places that i hadn't run on in 20 years and to go back and see them as an adult um and and really just see like oh my gosh that this is like this is such a cool place um why why did it why was it such a place i wanted to avoid for so long you know after after i left for college and young adulthood and stuff um so seeing it again and realizing um, i i know it's it's a beautiful and a special place you know just generally but such a unique um interesting place to explore and and uh you know host an adventure is just going to be really exciting i think um the people that are already signed up are are super stoked to to kind of they get what i'm what i'm trying to promote here with it's an off-season you know kind of not low key, but because it's an official event. But you know, I want people to have fun because it's a non-traditional place to run. Mm-hmm. You know, there's several miles of of open sand dunes, which for some people that's an immediate turnoff. But my one of my mantras is um, when I'm experiencing something difficult or you know having a, experiencing a lot of doubt around something, is coming back within myself and saying. I get to do this, you know, yeah. and how, and just really, um, recentering myself up around like how, how fortunate we are to be in and experience all these super cool places, like literally in our own backyard oftentimes. Um, why wouldn't you want to go run in a place where you've never been that's completely different from, you know, the zillions of mountain miles that we've all run and shared together? So, yeah, I'm excited for this one because it specifically because it's super different and um, it's it's an early time of the year where Stoke is high from everybody's kind of winter hibernation of racing and yeah. stuff. So, I think it'll be super fun. Yeah. Huge campground, lakeside. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you want to go yeah. run on the beach? And and I think a lot of trail runners need to expand their minds a little bit. It is just funny how we get locked into certain expectations of what is beautiful. Yeah. Like, okay, it has to be the single track trail. Yeah. 
with this mountain peak, <laughs> and it's like they want this archetype. If it's every a dirt time. road, oh, it's so terrible. Or if it's yeah, it's boring. There's not yeah. enough mountains or enough elevation. Or if it's whatever. Or if yeah. there's a little pavement, it's like yeah. There's so much to experience and explore, and like absolutely, just, yeah. And broaden your horizons, and just seeing the you know the the beauty for what's presented wherever you wherever you are is kind of where I've kind of grown to be, I guess. Well, it's also, it's it's all nature. It's all the same earth. It's mm-hmm. just, looks a little different. Yeah. And especially a place like where you're talking about those dunes and that coast is, it's not like it's any less, it's There's nothing stunningly like it beautiful. anywhere in it's North America. It's just different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's totally unique. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, so like what, what you were saying there is, it reminds me of um, when I really started getting into race directing, I, I was coming across a lot of folks who use scenic and views as the same thing, which seems kind of funny. Like there were a lot of people who wanted to sign up for the burn, but were telling me that it wasn't scenic. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is people are coming from all over North America every year to, to come run in a, in a classic Pacific Northwest forest. It's, the scenery's beautiful. Are you talking about views? Because <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have a ton of mountain top views or anything, but yeah. it's gorgeously scenic. Maybe not like on an exposed ridge line. Yeah, three sixty views. Exactly. Yeah, that force is incredible. Yeah, I, I always think about that too when we're out there. Is that we get or oftentimes get spoiled where? Yeah, it's like oh, it's just a forest, right? But it's like we're it's that's only because we live around these forests, like. <laughs> <laughs> They're incredibly breathtaking. Oh, absolutely! And that's why people are coming from all over the country to yeah. run these forests, is because it's they don't have them exactly. all over the country. It's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's something completely different for most people um, across the U.S. Certainly, who aren't coming from the West. Yeah. yeah. So. So there's the race scene in general is pretty busy. It seems like there's a lot of races starting up yeah there's more and more people doing races obviously the trail running world is still relatively small and niche but that definitely feels like it's changing pretty rapidly and you know there's the road running world is immense obviously many 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 times bigger yeah but it's seeming like some of those people are starting to take the leap over try some more trail stuff um do you foresee I mean, I think you've been really awesome in that, like, you're not adding races too quick, you know, you're, you just, you don't have a ton right now, but they're all, like, you're making them really good and super-duper solid events, which is great. But do you sort of see the general trajectory of the industry as, like, continuing upwards, like, it's going to keep growing and building, or do you see there's going to maybe plateau, or is is the bubble going to burst and all of a sudden people are not going to want this stuff anymore, or... yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, I, I want to say, I see it growing uh, for sure over the long term, trail running specifically, you know, in terms of the number of folks participating in it. Um, I don't, I don't see the proliferation of races growing on the same trajectory as it has the last seven, eight years, especially, mm-hmm. just because there's, I mean, we've, we've kind of gotten to the point where, um, races are have kind of hit every large network of trails that's kind of available at this point that's not in wilderness where events aren't allowed Mm -hmm. um so and it's definitely you know kind of a taboo thing to you know host a race where an existing race already takes place Mm -hmm. so um i guess with those kind of natural limitations um the number of races will probably I'm sure it'll, you know, there's always going to be new ideas. Mm-hmm. So things are always going to change. And, you know, some races just don't last forever. You know, they, they either, you know, whoever hosted it just doesn't want to put it on anymore. Or a race doesn't sell well for a long time and isn't relevant per se. Um, you know, that sometimes they go away and new ones crop up and, you know, fill that niche. And I think that's long term I think that's how the event scene will go but in terms of of, of trail running specifically I, I feel like um, it's only going to grow um, races 
that are you know that are putting on quality events from quality venues and and with good aids you know with cool volunteers and aid stations and people supporting the races like Wise Wolfpack mm-hmm. um, those events will continue to thrive and 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 fill up and um, yeah I've I've grown my races v- very I won't, I don't want to say slowly but I, you know I've very methodically and intentionally because I want my events to um, have a very a very unique specific feel and almost like gravity where you know I've built this really strong anchor around a really cool venue where people can share the experience again kind of goes back to you know bringing people together through the running Um, um, so like with Tillamook Burn we've got this really fantastic um, shelter and, and large bonfire and it's you know set in this you know semi-old growth patch of, of forest and um, just has a really great ambiance and we've got a really f- cool fo- former observatory where we stage backcountry rise from that has this spectacular view of the north side of Mount St. Helens and, and you know where everyone can just chill and you know take in one of the coolest you know views like anywhere in North America for sure um, just you know while they're eating their post-race burrito kind of you know um i want i want to be able to share that and and i've got a dozen ideas for other races but i'm never going to force a race to happen if it doesn't feel like absolutely like awesome and can be shared with as many people as possible so yeah i've grown them very methodically and and um, put a lot of thought into each one and making them Making them all unique, not not uh, too kind of cookie cutter or anything. Um, just giving that they each have their own personality. They kind of become your own kids almost, <laughs> and you can't pick a favorite. You know, they, yeah. they're just all they're they're all different. They all have their own strengths. Yeah. And um, yeah, I th- racing's not going away. Um, the more people who try trail running will abandon the roads I feel like or at least incorporate trail running into their mm-hmm. into their um, outdoor lifestyle or you know especially in the Northwest for sure how, how, why would you choose the roads over the trail seriously <laughs> <laughs> at least mix it up yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah in you know we agree that the trend of trail running in general is only going to grow so clearly it's scratching some itch a deeper <laughs> itch which obviously is a huge topic in mm-hmm. its own right of like you know as as human animals you know it's no surprise really but it's like yeah. why is it so fulfilling for us to reconnect with these sort of yeah natural elements and with these instinctual movements so yeah why in your mind do you think it's what's it what's it giving to people that they're they're responding to so strongly those who do it, you know, it's hard yeah. to, once you try it, it's, I mean, some people don't connect maybe, but others really, it's like, they're in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not an anthropologist or a, or a priest, but, uh, <laughs> but I've lived long enough to, you know, know how things work for me and, and, and the people that I run with, you know, what, what works for them. Um, but there's definitely a, a human need to tell stories, which is kind of what I'm trying to do with these events, mm-hmm. um, because that's for millennia. That's how humans have grown as civilization, and you know they they teach they tell stories. That's how people teach, you know, the next generation. Um, and I, f- I feel like the races that I've created tell a story about that particular area. And um, I, I, th- I think that people really have connected with that, and that's that's been a, a part of the success with daybreak racing. But then I think also people, as they also have um, an inherent um, spiritual need, um, and for folks who identify as 
as more kind of universal people and and believe in that kind of the universal connection of us all in the world um, see um, a serious amount of value in immersing yourself in the outdoors and and feeling that connection with the universe is really um, a fundamental powerful thing and very healing and um, and, and so sustaining it's the idea would be that it's just not nearly as readily available that connection when we're in our normal day-to-day modern busy you know yeah screen filled lives i mean going out into the mountains and the woods is um it's a it's a refuge um and an escape so to speak i guess um but also on the flip side of that i mean it would be my hope for people and something that I try to remind myself of again of that mantra of wherever I'm at I I get to do this you know and just kind of framing your perspective around a sense of just general appreciation for where you're at and being able to help people and yourself and your loved ones and um and living from that simple mindset even if you're in a you know, an ugly industrial, boring town living a, you know, um, an un- unhappy lifestyle. There's you're alive, and you know, there's something that you can do to to um, help others and help yourself. Well, that sounds like some good wisdom and advice, which leads into the final question of our of our episode today, the one we always close with. So clearly you followed your passion, you decided to make this leap, you know, more recently this full-on leap, but before you were taking steps to do something that was really meaningful for you, something that reached all the way back to your high school days and finding meaningful community and, and all that really awesome stuff. So what advice would you give to somebody who maybe is in a career that they're really unhappy with? Just like you said, there's always something people can do. What? Oh, man. What's your advice? How do you find the passion? How do you follow the passion? Uh, that's that is a that's a tough question um, because I feel like I've been very fortunate where to get to the place where I am, um, and for sure, passion is one of those things. Um, but then there's another step of, of um, finding something that you're really good at that, that you enjoy. I mean, not necessarily a passion because sometimes um, something that people are passionate about, they're not very good at. <laughs> I don't want to be the wet blanket. Um, but I'm, I'm fortunate in that I, I really love race directing um but yeah there's there's I'm not really sure what advice I have other than find something that you that you enjoy I th- I think that people stress out too much about you know what they're going to be doing in 20 years or how big is my 401k and I'm way off track because I'm already 41 now and you know all this stuff and you know, I I think that uh, people just need to enjoy um, the fact that do the best at what you're doing now, and if it's not making you happy, then um, explore and and pursue that stuff that makes you ha- that makes you feel good and is rewarding and um, hopefully has some component of of helping others. Great. Sounds good, Jeremy. Thank you so much. I'm psyched on the success of Daybreak and excited to see where it goes in the future. Thanks for having me, Willie. Take care. This wraps up another edition of the Get After It PDX podcast. For more information about today's guest, including social media links, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. Now, It's your turn to get out there and get after it.